Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. How's everybody doing? The real question is, how's everybody doing with those New Year's resolutions? So we're a weekend. It's a great time to reevaluate. Are the right resolutions the ones I set a week ago? And uh, we've had a good week as a litmus test. So let me ask you this question. When was the last time that you came to a point where you just thought, okay, the way I'm doing things is not working out for me? Or maybe you said another way is, hey, the way I'm physically training for something, I need to make a major change in my life. Mine came about a year ago. And uh, this kind of marks the one-year anniversary of my dad's um, death. He was 88 and my last parent alive. And my dad at 88 had so many incredible qualities, but I would not say strength was one of them. You know, my dad, when he was 88, was just frail. And as we prepared the funeral, my six siblings and myself, um, you know, we just kind of started looking at pictures from his previous generations, decades, his 70s and 60s. And dad in his 50s was just physically weak and frail. Along with all these incredible qualities, strength was not one of those qualities. And even in his 40s. And it was just a good reminder to me because we're from the same gene pool, look a lot alike, that, okay, Rob, at 46... I've got to start making some changes now to, um, for the next decade or maybe the next two decades, Lord willing, so I can be strong in my 60s, 70s, 80s. And what's true physically is also true spiritually, that you can spend your time training for things spiritually and end up and a decade or two decades from now, frail and weak in your faith. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is, what do I need to start doing today that's going to help me train for the right thing to be strong in my faith and walk with Christ down the road? So if you have your Bibles, open to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be jumping in at verse 6. And this morning, we're going to be looking at really three parts of this. From 6 to 11, we're going to be looking at just the priority of how to train. What should we be training with? Why should we be training? In the middle section from 12 to 14, we're going to be looking at the plan. How are just some ways we should put into practice the right training plan? And then we're going to end today looking at the last P, progress. Those are your last two verses we're going to look at today, verses 15 and 16. So priority, plan, and progress, that's what we're starting, and that's what we're going to end today. So let's jump in with our priority. The first thing Paul wants us to look at is he writes to a young pastor named Timothy a letter that is ultimately not meant the final destination for Timothy, but for the body of Christ to be built up by it. So let's look at the priority. What does Paul say here? 
Here we go. Why do we train? If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Being trained. How many of your Bibles say the word nourished in it? All right. Nourished. In the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Let's just stop there. And this this verse is going to frame the entire passage we're going to look at today. And it's going to frame it by that word. When I said, hey, whose Bible say the word nourished and whose say trained, there's a reason there. It's confusing. You're going to notice the word training comes up two other times in this passage. Physical training and training for godliness. And when Paul uses that word, it's the same word in English, he is using the word like gymnasium. Like get in it and start pumping some iron, doing calisthenics, stretching, whatever you want to do there. That's the word he's going to use later in the passage, but that's not the word he uses here for the word training. The word he uses there is like nourishing yourself. It's an idea of what are you putting into your system? What are you consuming? What are you digesting? And so should the word be there training or nourished? I don't know, but it's the same principle. What are your inputs? And what he says about your inputs is going to lead to ultimately what you are following. Derek said it last week, um, that you become who you behold. Maybe you wrote that down in your notes last week. What he's going to say here is you become who you follow. Look how he makes that connection. Being trained or nourished in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. What Paul wants to do first and foremost is frame the entire morning with what you are inputting to your system is ultimately the thing you're following. What you're consuming is ultimately the thing, the person the who or the what that you're following. That which you're nourishing yourself with is ultimately what you're following. That's what Paul's trying to communicate here. Look, Facebook has figured that out. Instagram has figured that out. Paul wants to remind us of the very simple truth is it is inconsistent to call yourself a follower of Christ and not be nourishing yourself with the thing Paul wants you to nourish yourself with training yourself with the thing that God wants you to train yourself with. So what are those things? Look, in the words of the faith and of a good doctrine that you have followed, Paul wants to make the connection of nourish yourself with the right things because it's ultimately going to be connected with who you follow. Now he's going to make a little bit of a shift here. Because like if you're, if you're following the right thing and if you're nourishing yourself with the right thing and if you're training yourself with the right thing, what are you not going to be about? Look at verse 7. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Let's just, tra- let's just stop there and define what he means there. What are some myths that we have believed in our culture? Think about what are some conspiracy theories? Not like, did we land on the moon, right? But what are current things that people are speculating on? Let me just throw out a few 
that I have, as I've jumped into community groups over the last several years, here's just a couple that have popped up. What really happened in the election? Where did COVID come from? You want to start a fight with somebody? Just talk about the origins of COVID. I read in two different newspapers that would disagree with each other, who should be indicted? If you were a member with us before we started City Bridges, Watermark Plano, I, there had been a myth of what actually happened with leadership 10 miles down the road two years ago. And I would just say, I have seen and heard people get entangled in myths. And why is that important? Well, look what Paul says in the first chapter, in chapter one, verse four here. Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. The problem with getting entangled with a myth as a follower of Christ is that it's based on speculation. And the reality is you might be right. In what you're speculating, you might be right, but it's a speculation. And Paul wants to refocus our priorities on going, focus on what is objective. And if you just focus on what is objective and not invest your energy in speculating on this, it will go well for you. So as Paul talks about priority, Paul wants to address the main thing, keeping the main thing, the words of the faith and doctrine, the main thing that you're gonna get entangled with this, not with speculation. And he goes on, rather, so it's a, it's a contrast, rather train yourself for godliness. Let me ask you this, what is godliness? Like if you had to define godliness, that's a question I asked myself this week. And um, I emailed like Ginger Lord, I go, do we have a character trait for godliness? Because I'm always asking them, because like that's the best definitions we have are down there. What is sin? Anything you think, say, or do? And um, I didn't get one back. So um, I had to think on my own. So what is godliness? I, I thought, well, it's to, to be like God, right? To be godly, to be like Christ. And maybe the best definition I found is godliness is an outworking of your convictions or beliefs. It is an outworking or your convictions or beliefs. So I believe something, therefore I'm going to act in, in a way that's consistent with what I say. Now look, sometimes we like, man, we're like Thomas. I, I believe, help me believe from John 20, 28. Sometimes it's like, man, Lord, I trust you. This does not make sense to me, but in obedience, I'm going to do the godly thing. So it's an outworking of your conviction or beliefs. Rather, train yourself for godliness, for bodily training is of some value. Godliness is value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. So Paul wants to make sure our priority, keeping the main thing the main thing, is not on a myth, 
but it is on training for godliness. That is where he wants your priority to be in 2023. And he's going to compare godly training with physical training. And look, we don't have to argue the fact that physical training is good, right? Like, it'll go well for you if you work out this year. I heard a doctor say this week, a physician, like the best medicine you can take is just exercise. And so look, we don't need to justify what's known here. Do some physical training. But why is training for godliness better and more of a priority than physical training? Well, as a runner, I just enjoy running. It's never been hard to like go put on shoes or run around. You know, like that's kind of fun to me. Um, So it's easy. But the reality is like as a runner, you will detrain twice as fast as you train. That's depressing. If you take off three weeks, do the math. That's depressing. There's no detraining with training for godliness. And he's going to talk about not only now, but in the future. So what does that look like? Well, let me just take you inside my own house. Okay, what does it mean to train for godliness? And why is there value today for that? Well, the reality is my four kids could care less if I have a six pack. They might think it's cool. My wife doesn't, okay? They really care about his dad, does his mouth match what he does? And when my junior goes to college next year and they say, how's your dad? Tell me about your dad. He's not gonna lead with, dude, he was shredded. (laughs) Your kids are not gonna lead there or my dad can run a six minute mile. They will not lead with that. They will lead with, man, my dad was consistent. My, my dad did what he said he was about. And so there is present value that your training matches your conviction. There's a near future reality of training for godliness. And I get to see it almost weekly as I jump in here, community groups with other members, community shepherds, it is the most sweet thing I think I see up here that when a couple here or an individual here just gets stuck in their life and they cannot get traction and they're spiraling and there's a group of members that is coming around them, maybe in a form of community group or maybe not a community group and we end up in a room here and I get to watch almost weekly, men and women who have in the past trained themselves for the purpose of godliness. They have been nourishing themselves with God's word. They have been memorizing scripture. And now a year later, two years later, three years later, four years later, a decade later, we're in a pastoral situation. I get to see those men and women go, hey, can I just remind you what God's word says? And sometimes they open their Bible and read it. Most of the time, they just quote scripture because it's in their heart. Because they trained for godliness in the past and it has then a future reality that is now today where you can be a gift to somebody. And then it also has a future reality, training for godliness, where one day we get to show up before the Lord and in Matthew 25, we get to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. 
First Timothy, uh, Second Timothy, we get to show up and um, I've run the race. There's a crown laid up for me that will be awarded to me. There's a present reality of near future reality and an eternal reality of where we, how we train and the result of that. And so Paul's not saying this to guilt you, right? If you have spent your time physically training and not spiritually training, he's not trying to guilt or shame you. If you've invested your time in this, he wants to, like, seven days into the new year, he wants you to reset your priorities. Well, you're gonna be training for the thing that lasts. So let me ask you this. What do you think the number one excuse is for not training? Physically or training for godliness? I know you know what it is. Time. So I'm gonna be vulnerable with, with you guys, okay? Here are my last two weeks of screenshots. This thing goes off in the nine o'clock service every week. So if you know how to not get that to go off on my phone, come see me. But I get judged about 9.20 every Sunday morning when this thing goes off. Now this may really encourage you or this may really discourage you. But just to be more honest with that, my phone went off at 9.20 today. These are for the last two weeks for this week. And your screen time's gone up 69%. Yeah, I saw you gasp. Yeah, hadn't been a great week. And I just have to constantly be reminded that Rob Berry doesn't ever have a time problem. I have a priority problem. And God, because he loves us and wants us to lead us to life and life abundant today, wants this to be our priority, how we train, training for godliness. Look at verse 9. The saint is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially those who believe. She's kind of doubling down. Hey, just what I just said, I want to double down on this. This is what matters. And look at what he says. To this end we toil and strive. And I just want to remind us, like what Derek said last week, we need to train better. Training faithfully is different than trying. Training faithfully involves a plan. With the interceding, I'm not going to execute this plan perfectly, but I need to be consistent and faithful in this. Paul wants us to train faithfully and then command and teach these things. Now, remember, this is written from Paul to Timothy, so Timothy can encourage the church with this. So command and teach these things are things we've got to practice among ourselves. And I was the recipient of the command and teach this, these things this week. In my community, this week, Mike looked at me, and he just said, what's your plan? And I looked at him, and I go, Bro, I don't know. But I'll know by the time I show up here next week. But Mike asked me the question that if you're in community here, you should be asking each other. Great source of encouragement to me this week. Paul wants our priority to be around training for the right thing that lasts, training for godliness. Let's look at the second thing the plan. How do we train? How do we train? 
We're going to look at three things here in the plan. Modeling, we're going to look at scripture, and then using your gift. All right, so let's jump into modeling. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. All right, why ask this question? I don't know if you ask it when you read that verse, but what do you think he means by the word youth? What age comes to your mind when you think about youth here? I know because we're American, we think about 18. Okay, if you want to gasp again, 40. That means like three quarters of our body here is um, under 40. And thank God for young adults and young families. But 40 is the number Paul has in mind when he says this. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example That word example is the word for imprint. Like we're going to imprint a coin on something that you can see visibly and it will last. And so it was sobering to just go, okay, um, who would think of my name if I asked you, who in your life has made an imprint on you in godliness this year? Who has made an imprint on you in speech? Let no corrupting talk come from your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Let your speech be gentle. Who's made an imprint on you this year? Who's made an imprint in love? making no records of wrong. The one I struggle with is does not ins- love does not insist on its own way, 1 Corinthians 13. Meaning, not that I'm passive. I'm gonna, hey, this is what I want and what I desire, but I'm gonna defer to you in love. Who would say, man, let me tell you, this man or woman has made an imprint in my life with the way they've deferred this year. Faith the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, Hebrews. Who's walking away this year going, man, I want more what they got. They model faith. Whoever popped in your head, who has done that with you this year, I thought about just stopping the service and saying, take out your phone right now and text that person right now and just say, thank you. And I would just tell you, an easy application for today, write it down, leave here and text that person. Just say, thank you for being an example of faith to me. And his conviction going, who, who would write down my name? Make an imprint. He wants us to focus on the positive of this verse of, hey, all you can do is all you can do. You can't change the way somebody feels about you. All you can do is take care of your own circle and model these things. Now let's look at the first phrase of this verse. And this is where he's gonna lean in and address the other side of that. And as somebody who has jumped in community groups and seen seeds of this over the last several years, I just wanna address it. Because it's a similar posture I can have with my kids that I'm not proud of. Like when Rob Berry walks in the flesh, he can think this way with his kids and say things like this. So when my kids want to admonish me or speak into my life, 
or maybe even quote scripture to remind me, dad, maybe you're not being the dad you want to be here. I can look at my kids and think, you're cute. You don't have a clue. You haven't lived in your 20s, 30s, 40s. I know some of you, right? And what has happened to me, I've seen seeds of happening here at times where experience is the highest value. Around age, I've seen it with kids, kind of the mentality of like, yeah, you only have two kids. Talk to me when you have five kids. Look, and we could do that on and on about a lot of different things. But I see it the most where when somebody is spiraling out of control and the wheels are stuck and a really godly 20-year-old or 30-year-old jumps in the room, an effective counselor, listening, knows God's word. They discipline themselves in the person of godliness. And the recipient's like, uh, uh, no, I-, I want somebody who's in my decade. That's who can help me. And I'm going to just tell you, if it's not age, if you have that mentality that I can have in my house, we need to repent. Godliness is the goal, not experience. But focus on what you can focus on, which is model these things. Imprint yourself on other people in the things that you can control. First thing Paul wants to see with his plan is model. Second thing is just scripture. I know that may be a shock to nobody in here, but here's what he says. Until I come to devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. This is a public act. This is something at City Bridge that happens today, Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays. But I would say personally, your plan needs to be scripture, 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 scripture. And not in a way that you are just reading something, in a way that you are nourishing and listening to God's word. Scripture, scripture, scripture. I think it's a great thing if you have your guys group or girls group, if you're in community, it is a great thing. And you meet publicly somewhere, just ask, hey, just read what God has been teaching you this week. And then we can talk about how it's changing you, but just read it. Just read it. As I sit across the table at a coffee shop from you, just read God's word to me. Modeling scripture, and the last thing is gifts or spiritual gifts. Using your gift. Look at what it says in verse 14. Do not neglect the gift which you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hand, their hands on you. Now that verse can be confusing because I know words can mean things in a different way than they mean today. And even in here, words can mean something different. So let me just kind of gloss this in a way that has helped me. Use your spiritual gift. Okay, don't neglect it, which was given to you by prophecy. Think direction. And I'll explain what this looks like. Someone is giving you direction on, hey, this is what I see in you. When the council of elders, I would just say, think mature followers of Christ have laid their hands on you. That can feel weird. All that is like, it's a commissioning. So let me put this in like city bridge language for 2023. If you are a mature believer, 
You need to be actively, as you walk alongside those who are younger in the faith, be helping them discern their spiritual gift. Here's what I see in you. Hey, you're excellent at that. Sometimes it's like, hey, I know you've told me you think you're great at that. I, I think you're actually better at this. And hey, come serve in this area. If you're a mature believer, we've got to be helping those who are younger in the faith figure out their spiritual gift and deploy it in a way that's gonna bless them and others around them. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, um, the bridge, which may be in your junk mail this week, okay? Pull it out. We're gonna have in the bridge email um, a link where you can take a spiritual gifts test. You can do that. It'll be in your inbox this week. And I think it's always great to take that test and take it to those around you that you're walking with. If you're a member in community here, take it to your community room and go, hey, these are my top three. What do you think about that? Do you see those things in me? Or am I just kind of like deluded and I want to be whatever? That's a great next step. So as we think about training, as we summarize this section, right, Paul cares about modeling. We're scripture going to be nourishing you frequently, daily. And how are you going to use your gift to bless other people here? And the gift thing has a secondary benefit, which is you, can, you will feel connected here if you are serving alongside others here. So the priority of godliness and training for godliness, the plan, and then finally, progress. Progress. Let's read these next two verses, and then I'm going to ask you to do a little exercise here, all right? Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So as we talk about uh, just progress, let me ask you, what word do you see this like a word puzzle? What word do you see that jumps out over and over and over and over? There's a word in here that keeps showing up. Anybody know what it is? It's not a trick. Yourself, you, you. The word you shows up a lot here. And it can sound almost unbiblical to say, focus on yourself. Sounds like a calendar you might buy from somewhere. Not putting others' interests before yourself like Philippians talks about. That's how you serve, love, engage, defer. We're talking about training here. So you always want to be others focused on just about every other area of your life, except for how you train. Training for godliness. Because comparison is the beast. Like if you're a runner and you're comparing yourself to what they're doing, you're going to not run well. You've got to stay focused on your plan for training for godliness. And let me just take a a moment and address kind of young mamas in here. It may not be your first kid. Maybe it's your whatever, second, third. But I would just say, I, I, young um, women, moms really struggle with how they were training for godliness pre-kids and how they're training for godliness post-kids. And look, keep training. 
you've got to stay focused on yourself today, not the pre-kid person. You're going to be exhausted. You're already exhausted. Stay after God's word, young mamas, and sleep. Stay focused on yourself. Look at verse 15. It says, immerse yourself in them. That's like a baptism language. Put yourself under all this stuff. Nourish yourself so much. Immerse yourself in these things so that all may see your progress. And so just a reminder, the goal here is not perfection. The goal here is progress. And change is really hard. If you've tried to change a habit after doing for 30 years, it is hard. That's why we are called to be patient with all people. Rest in the Lord's patience towards you. So if you confess something to your community group, like, hey, I want to grow in this area with godliness Tuesday, don't expect for them to be 100% by next Tuesday. This is a long, incremental deposits over a long period of time produce change. But the goal here is progress. And lastly, let's look at this last somewhat confusing verse. So by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. That can feel like a workspace salvation verse to me, and that's not at all what it is. When he's telling you to prioritize the right thing in your life, plan the right way, it's not salvation like Romans is talking about, like a justification where you are made right with God. You're saved like you're going to heaven saved. This is like a don't destroy your life. Don't run your life off into the ditch way he uses this word. And so he's saying, if you're training for the right thing, you internally will not run your life off into the ditch. He's not saying it's going to be easy. There's no wealth, health, any of that stuff. But he's saying your character won't derail you. So in closing, as we just think about application, you know, just a reminder, if we're called to train for godliness, that our, that our body is only as healthy and as godly as I am. This, this body is only as godly and healthy as you are. And look, our goal, look, we've made it two years of City Bridge, which is awesome, but our goal is never to make it two years. Our goal is to walk deeply with Jesus, imperfectly trained for godliness and called to others to do the same. And so what's going to make 2023 different next year? What's going to make it different is how you train. So priority. Hey, if God's word is not part of your daily rhythm, that needs to be your first step. We have a bunch of resources here on your app this week. We're starting back Hebrews. The book of Hebrews will be in there under the plan. Click on that and start digesting and nourishing yourself with God's word plan. Invite others into the plan. Hey, I need help in these areas. My plan is really simple this year. I need to take some ground with evangelism and engaging the lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And I've just realized, Rob, this is all an act of faith. And so 
I am never growing more than when I'm engaging the lost. And so I've got a number. I want to like engage this many people this year. But it starts in the morning when I say, Lord, help me love those who you love. Would you put someone in my path that I can love who is far from you? That's what I want to be different as a plan for Rob Berry this year. What's your plan? So that when you turn to 2024 next year, there has been progress and an imprint on somebody. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.